We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope capital campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. These beautiful readings tonight teach us about the beauty and, uh, and the value of prayer for the Christian. Um, I'll talk about the readings and get to the homily, but we have a lot of, we have a lot of families in this parish, young families, um, and a lot of newlyweds or uh, fairly newlyweds. Um, so I thought it would be nice knowing that after Mass, I'm going to do a, bless, a blessing for a couple that's celebrating 50 years of marriage, if we would recognize them at Mass. I hope this doesn't embarrass the Worcesters. Where are you now? Thank you. Thank you for your example and your witness. Uh, 50 years of love, sacramental love, um, a sign to the world of who Jesus is. Uh, that's our mission. And that kind of fidelity is a grace from God. So we thank God with you and um, also want to congratulate you and, and thank you for your witness. Um, pray for the rest of us to be faithful that long, no? Okay. Jesus says, there is, only, there is need of only one thing. He says, don't be anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. And he doesn't, really, he doesn't really tell Martha what that one thing is. Most of us presume, and I think probably rightly so, that the one thing he's speaking about is whatever Mary is doing, sitting at his feet. But I wonder if the one thing could not be something that she could learn if she were there, uh, if Martha were there sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus knows that we have to be busy with a lot of things. Doesn't he? Does he not know our lives? I was racing here. I'm still out of breath because I'm making a French onion soup for my brother priest uh, who celebrate with me a, a Lord's Day supper every Saturday night. Um, but it's, it takes a lot of work. Life is filled with a lot of work. And we're always doing, it's a good thing, right? I feel like I was called to do, uh, to serve them, to serve here at this Mass. Uh, we're doing a lot of things. I think Jesus knows that, but he wants to direct our lives. He wants us to ask, what's, what is essential? And what are the things that I can do and be busy myself with that are going to take away the anxiety and the worry? I don't fill my life with more and more and more worry, more pressure, more dread of the future, um, but are just the right things. Something very simple he's, is being expressed here. Jesus has something that he wants to speak to each one of us. He knows the one thing, the one thing for you to take away your anxiety and your worry about life. Now, the other readings speak of prayer, and I, so I, I saw this really as a chance to, to celebrate the fact that we have moved into this um, beautiful church, and it's reminded me that a privilege of the parishioners of Our Lady of Lourdes is that we live in the house of Mary live in the house of Mary. Father Brian said this when he was kind of inaugurating at the first mass for this new church. 
And it stuck with me because I love the House of Mary. I've wanted to know what it's like to be in the House of Mary for a long time. And in fact, it's true. We stay very close to Our Lady here. There's symbolism that helps remind us of this. Beautiful garden with the grotto where Our Lady comes and reminds us that she is the Immaculate Conception. Reminds us of all the ways that she's come into the world and been present to us, been faithful throughout history. We have this inscription. Anybody know what that means? Uh, <laughs> at verbum caro factum as is, and the word became flesh, right? The word became flesh. It's that moment of the incarnation when there was no one closer to Jesus than Mary. And Mary, uh, a sign of the church, becomes the, pl the one who uh, holds Jesus in her very body, in herself, and uh, gives birth to Jesus, bears the fruit of the divine, bringing God into the world. It's amazing. She had this particular privilege, but it becomes a sign of the church that the rest of us in our life with, with God, in our religious life, are receiving Jesus and giving him birth in the world, bearing fruit, offering him to other people. It's a beautiful reality. We live very close to Mary, just by the nature of the church, but in a special way here when we're reminded, oh, Our Lady of Lourdes. There is no one who is better at this, at this contemplative life, paying attention to Jesus of prayer than Our Lady. Remember the scripture says, this was in the beginning of Luke, I don't ever get the numbers right. <laughs> Father Brian knows all the numbers. Are you really interested in the numbers? You could... I could spend a lot of time memorizing the numbers for you if you want. Somebody tell me if you're really, really interested in remembering. This is, but this is somewhere, somewhere in Luke 2 or 3. Uh, Jesus goes, gets lost in the temple, and then he says, don't you know that I need to be about my father's business or in my father's house? And he says that he was obedient to them, and he went back to Nazareth with his parents, and Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. That's the stance of Mary. It's a beautiful description of Mary and exactly what Jesus is calling us to tonight and in these readings. To ponder Jesus in our hearts. To let him speak to us. And there's a promise in baptism, at least the way we talk, in our catechism and in our doctrine, that says that you are given the Holy Spirit who can speak God's voice inside of you. But we don't always listen, right? And so the church is constantly exhorting us to listen and giving us reasons to. Paul, in the second reading, he says, what can be revealed to us is the very mystery of the world. The very mystery, the meaning of everything has come to us. And the Christians, Paul says, are the privileged ones who know this mystery. And because they know this mystery, their lives are transformed into Jesus, and they proclaim Christ to the world. Jesus, he claims, is this mystery. This is very abstract language, no? Um, you can't blame me for this one. <laughs> this is Paul. Uh, Jesus is the mystery. And when he came into the world, everything started to make sense. That's the idea. That everything falls into place. Everything starts to make sense about each one of us, about the world, um, about the direction that the world is going, about time, uh, 
Let's, let's reflect on it in terms of the past, the present, and the future. Jesus makes sense of everything that happened before. Everything leading up to this point for Paul. Um, he makes sense of the promises God made to Israel. He makes sense of the whole universe. You know, there was a claim that among religious people that God is love. You know that one, and you're probably spoiled by not knowing other ones. There are also claims that God is chaotic, that God is fire, that God hates people, that God is dangerous, that God could be a destroyer, that God is not trustworthy, that God is very distant and doesn't care about anything. There are a lot of theories but Jesus was the one who came and he proved the one that's true is that God is love. He says, I represent the Father. You've never seen the Father. I reveal the Father to you. I reveal the truth to you. And God's judgment on the world looks like this. It's love, self-sacrificing love. And this is the one who rescued Jesus from death and gave him new life. So the Christians, I, I mean, we don't, we don't know the, the, the alternatives because we've been privileged by being give, given Christianity for so long. But in Paul's time, this was novel. Jesus came to say the whole story of humanity is about unity in love with God and with each other. A lot of people are telling lots of different stories about what life is about, what the world is about. And this is Jesus' claim. That the meaning is love in the end. That the past, everything leading up to where we are, is about love. Jesus says um, that there is peace now. Jesus offers peace now. Paul, Paul claims that even though he is suffering, he can rejoice. Because everything is right and he's seen Christ. He's seen the meaning of everything in, in Jesus. Even the meaning of his suffering. He can rejoice in the midst of suffering. His presence is perfectly at peace. You remember this, this term peace in Jesus' world and in Paul's is shalom. Shalom is, is a Hebrew word that they use often. People will greet each other in Semitic uh, contexts with this word shalom. Peace, it means particularly everything is right with the world right now. Everything is right where it should be. Can you say that about your life? Everything, to the littlest detail, is exactly where it's supposed to be. That's peace, and that's the peace that Paul is talking about. If you live with Jesus, if you live in Jesus, you can say that, because you know that the Father is caring for you, that you know the Father is watching after you, protecting you, guiding your life, that everything, even though there's a lot of suffering, uh, is the will of God, has, bears the presence of God, and has Jesus alongside us, walking with us. And then we can say, with great peace, everything is right. And in the midst of suffering, we can rejoice. The present is just as it should be. Finally, we have um, a vision of the future that God can reveal to us what, what we ought to do. Where should I go? What's next for my life? Um, Abraham sat at the, the door of his tent, 
And it says, he sat there in the heat of the day. I was trying to figure out what this detail is about. I don't know. But I came up with something. Um, and I'll throw it out there. Genesis 3 has the fall of man happening when? You remember? Genesis 3. In the cool of the day, Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden, and they hid themselves in the trees because they were afraid. They've just sinned. Why the detail in the cool of the day? I don't know. I don't know that part. But I do think uh, a reminder that Abraham is at the door of his tent in the time of the heat of the day. That's probably midday. In that culture, just like in Italy where I was living, you're supposed to be napping for a few hours. And here's Abraham at the, at the gate of his tent, waiting for what? These visitors come out of nowhere, seemingly, in the desert. Um, Abraham becomes a figure of a reversal of the image from the garden. Rather than running from God, Abraham is waiting for him. And he'll wait through, through the heat of the day, the time when it makes most sense to do something else. He's waiting there in, careful, in quiet vigilance. And his, these messengers are sent to him, and they said, Abraham, uh, your, the, the promises made to you are going to now be fulfilled. In, it, soon, within the next year, you will have a child. Your wife who is old, Sarai, she is with child, and she will have a child. And they bless him for his vigilance. He's a model of vigilance. God sends his messenger to tell, them, to tell Abraham hope in this future. This is what's coming in your life. Give him hope. And God will offer that to each one of us. That's the promise. Is if, if we sit there with Mary and we ponder Jesus in our hearts, if we take time to do that, if we rest when we come to Mass and we say, okay, Lord, I've come to, to be with you, to offer myself, just to, just to be present to you, to gaze on you, like Mary at the house of, in Bethany, like Mary in the house of Nazareth, to be with you. That same Jesus can respond to us, explaining to us what we never understood and giving us peace, taking away our worry. God, why do I suffer? Why does anybody else that I love suffer? Sometimes he'll explain, sometimes he'll give us peace in the midst of the suffering and joy. But he can speak to us, and he wants to. He wants to heal us. He wants to give us rest. He wants to take away our anxiety and our worries. He can tell us right now that there is perfect peace. He can speak about the past. He can speak about the world. He can speak about our present. And he can tell us what to do in the future. Those who do justice will live in the presence of the Lord, says the psalm. What do, we, what do we do? What am I meant to do? That's a question that we should all be asking God. What's next? How do I glorify you? Who should I love? How can I love? Teach me how to forgive this, this person. Give me hope for the future. So this is just beautiful promises that come from the readings today. Jesus wants to speak to us. And he wants to be near us. He can take away all of our fears. He can take away our anxieties and worries. Um, it takes time. It's kind of a process of walking with God, gaining trust in him, learning that he is reliable. But we have the perfect teacher in Our Lady. 
and she's invited us to, to dwell in her house, to be close to her. Follow her lead. Develop a devotion with Mary if you don't have one. Foster your devotion this week with Mary if you want to come closer to Jesus, if you want to hear his voice more clearly. Sit and ponder Jesus. Try to make some time to do that. I think we have, oh no, we have gathering at the grotto. Do we have adoration sometime this week? Okay, there's some Friday morning stuff for men. And then uh, the church is always open to come and visit and be with Jesus for a little bit. You know, take time out of your week. Take time out of your day. You can sit in your chair at home and turn off the Netflix. I know they're fun. I like the Netflix. Uh, <laughs> and say 10 minutes of prayer. Just say, Jesus, I know that you're here. We live in the presence of God. Put yourself in the presence of God and, um, and ask him about life. Ask him about what, if he wants to say anything. If he doesn't say anything, turn on the Netflix. <laughs> I recommend the Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the great privilege of the Christian, you know. Um, sometimes we think, oh, this is about, this, this whole thing is about trying to be a good person or um, not go to hell or uh, something of feel good. And in the end, it's not. There's so much, so much more to Jesus. Um, and we're always learning. Here's this great mystery. I like that Paul uses the word mystery when talking about Jesus. Because it's something that can never quite be uh, conquered by us in our understanding. There's always something new to hear. There's always something new to know. So we thank Jesus for his presence in our lives. We thank the Lord for speaking his word into our hearts, for giving us peace. And uh, we thank him for the great gift of Our Lady, um, in whose presence we learn, uh, learn to ponder Jesus, in whose house we've been invited to pray.